I want to talk this morning uh, about what we're about at New Heights Church. We are about reaching the unsaved and reaching the unchurched. Excuse me while I pray. Father, in the name of Jesus Christ, I ask that this word would deliver with power. I ask, Father, that people would not hear my voice, but they would hear your voice. In the name of Jesus, amen. We are after the unsaved and the unchurched. Now, when you say that quickly, it kind of sounds like one category, unsaved and unchurched. And surely, many of us can, uh, we are not uh, the one who sits on the throne and passes judgment, of course, but we can certainly look at people that we are in relationship with or acquaintance with and determine whether or not uh, or potentially if they are unsaved and unchurched can be the same can be the same type of person but they are not uh, they are not always linked together for instance there's people that don't know god don't know anything about god and they are just uh, completely wrapped up in sin they have no idea about it and for you and for me we've got to get real good at recognizing that sinners do one thing really well they sin we got to quit looking at what a sinner's doing and start trying to get the sinner to the one who changed us You see, we don't go uh, to Italy and try to order uh, some pizza and a a little cappuccino. Oh, I'm getting hungry already. It's already started, y'all. I'm two and a half seconds into my sermon and food has already hit the docket. We don't go to Italy and and try to order a pizza and a cappuccino in English and, and all they do is speak Italian and then get mad that an Italian person speaks Italian. No, Italians speak Italian. Sinners sin. It's what they do. So for you and for me, we've got to get over the fact that people are doing things that they shouldn't be doing because, bless God, the moment that Christians stop doing what they shouldn't be doing, then and only then will we have a legal opportunity to say one thing about a sinner that's doing what sinners do. Unsaved and unchurched. Many fall into both categories. Some fall into just one. I remember as a child, one of my best friends growing up, we spent weekends together constantly. Uh, His father uh, and my father were good friends. Uh, We were always around one another. His father would take us uh, uh, places and my father would take us places. I remember distinctly that his dad would take us to Texas A&M games. It was whenever I first began to get exposed to the power of Aggieland. I mean, it's it's a different place. I'm doing everything I can to indoctrinate my three kids now. You know, I may even buy me a fake ring. You know, look here, baby, get you one of these. (laughs) I might get a letter from the chancellor for that one. (laughs) Excuse me, Reverend. We don't do fake rings. Send. (laughs) But he would bring us to games and different things. They had a piece of property. We were probably... Uh, we became great friends at a very young age, but 
uh, all the way through high school. They had a piece of property that was on like this river bottom. It was in the middle of the wilderness to a, to a couple of young, young guys. And, man, we would go out there for two or three days, and, you know, it was just, I mean, we would see stuff, and, it, you know, you'd think you'd see an alligator, and you'd see all these other things, and we would, we would hunt, and we would fish, and we would build fires. We'd just do the things that, that, that young boys like to do when given the opportunity. And his dad would always be there to help us, and uh, sometimes I would come over, and his dad would be working on a project. He had a really cool old pickup truck. It was 1951, if I remember right. Chevrolet pickup truck. It was red and just totally cool. Had these, I mean, two, you know, people barely fit in it, but it was just awesome. He was a, he was a great guy. And, and I remember uh, when I was a senior in high school, we were at church one Sunday morning. And, and again, this man had been a part of my life. I respect him to this day. Uh, he, my father, respect, he was just a great guy. But we're in church on a Sunday morning. And at the end of service, uh, there's a bit of an impromptu altar call. And it wasn't one of those popular ones. Like, who wants a blessing from God? Everybody comes up. It was one of those ones where it's like, no, you know, you're not right with God and maybe you've never been. And even those can turn into popular altar calls. When Billy Graham uh, would give altar calls at his big meetings, it was not cool to sit in your chair. It was cool to go to the front. When Joel Osteen, the 2015 version of Billy Graham, and if you don't like him, I don't care. That's who he is. God has anointed that man. But whenever he says, stand if you'd like to receive Christ, it's cool at that meeting to stand. But this was not that kind of an altar call at all. It was one of those quiet ones where, as a preacher, I know what the preacher was feeling. The preacher was going, God, I think you're telling me to say this, so I'm going to say it, but I really don't think anybody's going to come up, stand up, wave at me, or even say boo after church. And all of a sudden, my friend's dad, I'd known him almost my whole life, stands up and begins to make his way down the middle aisle the front of the church and he doesn't just stop there he asks the pastor would you mind if I say something which was totally outside of his character the pastor says sure so he tells him he says he takes the microphone and he says I just want everybody to know something has changed in me And I want to live for God so strong and I'm not sure about where I was before. And I want this to be a public, a public display of my faith. And I was like, who would have ever thought churched and unsaved? Consequently, within three months of that day, he died of a massive heart attack. God is able to call you and provide for you what you need when you need it. We are about the unsaved and the unchurched. Some people fall in the category of saved but unchurched. I say it all the time. I've been in church since nine months before I was born. I have uh, permanent knots on the back of my head. Can I just say this? Children's church didn't exist when I was a children. 
There was none of this, oh, I hope my child is quiet. Parents in those days and age thought like this, I hope my child gets to stay conscious through church <laughs> because they're going to be quiet. <laughs> Mothers, we love you. Little babies, I promise you we got no problem. As a matter of fact, one of the things that we're working very diligent on, and you will see it quickly, is a beautiful mother's room right over here that will have a TV that pipes service in with the audio. We're going to have a changing table and everything that you would want. So never don't come to church because you think it's going to bother me or anybody else. We love babies. So I would sit there and my father would wear a gold nugget ring on his finger. <laughs> and I was one of three boys. I was in the middle. And occasionally everybody thought dad would always sit like this and he's got this bare paw of a hand. And every now and then he would tap us on the back of the head. And I know everybody walked by would give that look like, boy, he loves his babies. <laughs> Look at him. He just, he pats him on the head. He loves those babies. What they didn't know is he had turned that nugget ring around and he was silently encouraging us to be quiet. I've been in church for a long time. When I got into college, uh, I didn't get unsaved or anything silly like that. If your story has a whole bunch of overwhelming crazy in it, that's your story. Mine's not that crazy. But I definitely began to lose my focus. I began to not drift away from God in totality, but I drift away, drifted away from the people of God. I drifted away from the things of God. There's something about uh, uh, when you kind of become unfettered or, or you no longer have the, the oversight of your parents directly and things like that, that it, in the natural, you can just test limits and things. And I found myself doing that. I was making decisions that I probably am not so proud of. I can testify countless times when God protected me, not only from uh, just my life, uh, but literally He protected me uh, from being in trouble and, and having things happen to me. Uh, if I would find myself in the wrong places at the wrong time. And I never forget one Sunday morning, it was about uh, 12 o'clock, maybe 12.30, so I guess it wasn't the morning. But when you're in college, like 11 a.m. is early if you don't have class or work. So I had gotten up, and I remember I had gotten into my truck. My truck was green with a silver stripe on the side of it. Uh, it was extremely loud, bless God. And I cranked that thing up, blah, 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 blah. And I'm driving, I'm thinking, I'm going to go wash my truck because it's Sunday. Nobody's telling me to go to church. I'm going to go wash my truck. And I drive and I get to, I can't remember, I'm going to go to it one day. I can't remember if it was a stop sign or if it was a stoplight. But I stopped and there was four vehicles, so me and three others, stopped at this intersection. And when I pulled up, I looked to my left and there was somebody that was dressed very nicely in their car. Let me also give a caveat. Come as you want to at New Heights Church. This is how I like to dress. So this is how I dress. If you would prefer something else, we're perfectly comfortable with that. So I looked over to my left and I saw uh, uh, people that were dressed. And so at 1230 on Sunday, it kind of tells you they either are on their way to church or they just left church. Do we agree? In front of me, there was a vehicle. 
And same thing. I can't remember what they were wearing, but it was obvious that they were wearing something nice. The car to my right, same story. And as I'm sitting there looking, minding my own business, probably beeping through the CD player because at that time we didn't have the the iPods and things like that. So I'm probably looking for, what am I going to wash my truck to? You know, what kind of music do I want everybody? Because when you're like 18 years old, you think everybody wants to hear your music. (laughs) So I'm a rolling DJ. You know what I'm saying? So I'm like, who am I going to bless today? What do I want to play for them? I had a custom... uh, uh, Steering wheel, that thing. I mean, I'm telling you, I was, it, it was on like Donkey Kong whenever I drove that thing. And beep, 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 beep. And all of a sudden, that still small voice. Sometimes when we hear from God, we wonder, was that God, was that not God? Other times we know. This was one of those I know times. And the Lord said to me, He said, at least they're making an effort. And I was shaken to the inside of my core. And I drove on. And it was as if a conversation began to unfold on the inside of me. And I said, Lord, I love you. He goes, I know that. Does anybody else? Maybe he doesn't talk to you like that. But that's how he talks to me. The Bible says, whom the Father loves, he chastens which means he corrects. Many of you have grandmothers, have fathers, have uncles, aunts, and friends that prayed you to the chair you're sitting in right now. You think you just made a decision. I could sense the prayers of my grandparents. I could sense the prayers and the tears of my mother because parents know when their kids are not doing what they should. I could sense the prayers urging God to speak to me. He says, I know that, but do you? And or does anybody else? And from that very moment, I said, that's it. I'm going to make sure that I live this life so passionately and vigorously about what God has done for me that nothing and nobody can say, I wonder if He loves God. I was saved, but for a season found myself unchurched. I get my church watching Joel on TV. I love Joel. You can't love Joel more than I do. And if you don't want to talk about Joel, take T.D. Jakes, Parsley Hagee, any of them. I don't care. DVR them and get in church. Most people who are saved and unchurched are not that way because they want to be. For me, it was a lack of focus. It was a young man growing up. But for others, somebody said something to them. Maybe it was an usher. Maybe they didn't like the doctrine from the preacher. Maybe somebody legitimately hurt them. Or maybe they just have a sour spirit and they need to get their act together and get in church. But saved people that are unchurched need church in this life as much as people who don't know God and still need church. At New Heights Church, we are about, everybody help me, the unsaved unsaved. and the unchurched. unchurched. You're going to hear me talk 
over the next several weeks, probably months and maybe years, about three key areas that we utilize and we'll get better at for reaching these areas. Number one, teamwork always makes the dream work. We used to sing songs like this. I'm a soldier in the army of the Lord. When you said yes to Jesus, you became an evangelist. When you said yes to Jesus, you became a minister. So for us at New Heights, we have a ministry called First Touch Ministry. Everybody in this building experienced it today. Because long before the suit-wearing preacher gets up here and screams and shouts and sweats, which, thank God, it feels good in here to me. Is it cold, hot? Okay, don't care. <laughs> Just kidding. Long before I ever get up here and can convince somebody yes or no on their eternal destination, they're going to be first influenced by somebody. A smiling face in the parking lot that helps them get their car in a place because, as you can tell, parking's going to be something we're going to work on. A smiling face when they get in the room because they have a toddler that needs, to, that needs to get to the restroom right away, and I've never been here. Where's the restroom? A smiling face that helps them get to the children's church. A smiling usher who helps them find a chair. All these things are parts of our first touch. Something happens to you, and you come under attack, and all of a sudden your body is sick, and you need somebody to just bring you a meal, to just love on you. This is a part of this ministry. It's the first touch. The platform, I wouldn't call it the last touch, but it's not the first. Another area that we're going to do is we're going to minister to people when people can be ministered to. That's why we're immediately, and when I say immediately, I mean by immediately, we are going back to Wednesday night services. We're going to minister to people when they can be ministered to. We're going to have student uh, services, young adult services. We're going to have women's conferences, men's conferences, men's meeting, women's meeting. We're going to have breakfasts, this, 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 lunches, dinners. We're just going to minister. The Bible says it like this, and you're not going to want to miss some of our first Wednesday night services because the Bible says, faith cometh. Everybody say cometh. cometh. That's King James. I like King James. Cometh by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. Everybody say God. God. Faith cometh, and hearing by the word of God. So if faith cometh by hearing, what do you need to hear? The word of God. Now, if faith cometh, that means it went from somewhere. That means faith also goeth. Everybody say cometh, and goeth. (laughs) So faith cometh by hearing... What's the opposite of hearing? Speaking. So if faith cometh by hearing, then it goeth by speaking. Listen to me. Some of you are going to have faith come into your life in those Wednesday night services by hearing the Word of God and you're going to step out of this building and you're going to step into your normal life and you're going to be able to speak faith. Now faith is not just coming, but faith is going. And the Bible says you will be blessed in your coming in and your going out. We're just going to minister to people. That's what we're going to do. Number three, we're going to get really good 
at our life groups in those different areas. I've had a half a dozen people come to me over the last three months or so and say, you know, uh, I really liked our life groups. I really liked going and praying for people and stuff like that. Listen, listen, prayer should, should not just happen, and for one another, should not just happen at this altar right here, but in house to house, the Bible says. Because the Bible says that iron sharpens iron. You, in fact, are what God's talking about when He says that. Open your Bible to John chapter number 2. John chapter number 2. I'm going to be quick, but we're going to get through. John chapter number 2. This is Jesus' first miracle uh, according to history. The Bible says in verse 1, The third day was a marriage in Cana of Galilee, and the mother of Jesus was there. The third day. It's always interesting. God does things, and numbers mean a lot, but sometimes the third try can do something that, that didn't happen before. You know, there's a statistic out there, and it's approximately 90% of all first-time businesses fail. But there's another statistic that says like 85% of the people that try again succeed. But only a handful ever do. There's something about going again. Anyway, the third day, and both Jesus and his disciples, they were all invited to the, mar to, the, to the marriage. Jesus was called, the Bible says. It's interesting that Jesus was invited. See, God goes where he's invited. Have you ever stopped for a minute before you walked into your place of business, where you work, the school you go to, and you just said, Lord, I invite you to go with me today. Have you ever been left out of a party or a dinner or something that you thought you would have been invited to? And then you saw the person that you thought should have invited you? And you say, oh man, I would have liked to have gone to that. And their answer to you was, I assumed you were coming. And they're telling the truth. We can assume God's going with us everywhere and He's omnipresent. But how much do you like to be invited? You're made in His image, in His likeness. He gave you the emotions you have. He has a lot of the same emotions that you experience on a daily basis. When's the last time you cared about how He felt? I hear about all these churches all the time and they come to me and these pastors, they come to me and they tell me stuff like this and they say, well, bless God, you know, I just don't want to offend the people. I said, what about offending God? Well, I don't preach from that part of the Bible. What? Well, I just, you know, it's too contra... I just don't want to offend... I'm not going to offend God. To the best of my ability, I refuse to worry about offending man over offending God. Yeah. We're interested in not offending man. It's not like we try to. You know, we, we don't train our greeters to when somebody walks in, throw coffee in their face. Welcome to New Heights Church! <laughs> it's not our plan. Invite God into your life in every area. And when they wanted wine, the mother of Jesus said unto him, They have no wine. You see, the people in your life that are either unsaved or unchurched or both, there's going to be a moment, there's going to be a time when they're going to want something that they don't have. This 
is your opportunity. The question is, will you be ready? Will you be prepared? And will you be positioned for that opportunity? In my life, sometimes it happens uh, swiftly and abruptly. Hey, man, I just don't know. I just whatever. Other times, I, I, I'm, I get tracking with somebody. I'm like, I'm not sure about their salvation or I know that they could use a touch from God. And I then try to get real strategic about how I'm going to interweave that discussion and help them to understand how much God loves them. Sometimes it comes as a phone call at 2 o'clock in the morning. Hey, hey, Brian. Yes. You, you still into that God stuff? Neck deep. I've been thinking, and I'm sitting there going, nope. <laughs> God's been talking. Could come at 2 o'clock in the morning, could come at your next family reunion, could come at Thanksgiving. But the question is, when the people that are unsaved and unchurched find themselves lacking in what they cannot provide, will they come to you with the idea that you might have the answer? Moving on. Jesus, uh, verse 3, said they wanted wines, they have no wine. The mother of Jesus said to Jesus, they have no wine. Verse 4, Jesus said to her, Woman, what have I have to do with you? What are you saying this to me for? My time is not yet come. My hour is not yet come. Verse 5. His mom said unto the servants, Whatsoever he says unto you, do it. Somebody say, whatsoever. whatsoever. Say, do it. do it. That verse by itself will revolutionize your life. Whatever God says to you, do it. Can I point out, that she didn't say, whatever God says to you, tell everybody. Whatever God says to you, make sure that everybody believes you. Whatever God says to you, make sure that everybody you know agrees. No. The mother of Jesus the one who spent more time on earth with him than any other human being on the planet said, whatever he says, do it. I remember when we closed on this property, I was waiting because, you know, you sign papers, but then everything's got to finalize and go through. And usually you get, in this day and age, you'll get an email or a phone call or whatever. And I was sitting, I was sitting about right here this place looked much different than it looks right now. But I was sitting right here when I got a, a text message that said everything's done, everything went through. And, and, and up to that moment, I hadn't had an emotional, not even nothing. I mean, like, like, like dead log, no emotion. And all of a sudden, I felt the power of God so strong on me that I could no longer contain myself. And I just began to weep. Crystal was sitting next to me. She's like a thermostat. She can tell uh, uh, when I'm hot or when I'm cold. And she recognized that was a moment. And she did what she does. She came and put her arm around mine. 
didn't say a word. And we just held each other right there. And my young six-year-old boy, Walker Lee, came up to me. He goes, Daddy. I said, yes, baby. He said, I dropped something. <laughs> he said, Daddy. I said, what, baby? He said, are you crying because God's touching you? I said, yes, I am. He said, I love it when God touches me like that. I said, oh, yeah. And he sat down next to me, and I recognized that he was open for a moment to speak to him. And I said to him, I said, baby boy, your mother and your father love you so very much. I said, but I want you to always remember this. Whatever God tells you to do, you do it. I said, I don't care if it's scary. I don't care if it's big. I don't care if everybody around you says you cannot. You do it anyway. And he jumped up and ran off and went and played with his sister. <laughs> and I thought, well, bless God. <laughs> and he came back about 30 seconds later, sat down next to me. I was still a, a puddle, if you will. And he says to me, Daddy, would you please talk to me like that again? I said, yes, baby. I said, whatever God tells you to do, you do it. And there were six water pots of stone after the manner of the purifying of the Jews containing two or three firkins apiece. Now, a firkin is not a measurement that we use nowadays, but three firkins is approximately half as much as six firkins. <laughs> Got it? Each pot held between 20 and 30 gallons of liquid. There were six of them. So there was between 120 and 180 gallons of water. And Jesus said unto them, Fill the water pots with water, verse 7, and they filled them to the brim. They filled them to the brim. 120 or 180 gallons of water. Let's just put it in five-gallon buckets. If, 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 because they didn't have running water, so they had to get the water from somewhere, right? Right? So if it's 120 gallons, that's 24 trips somebody made with a five gallon pail filled to the top. If it's 180 gallons, that's 36 trips that somebody made with a full five gallon bucket. Jesus said, fill them to the top. Jesus said, fill these pots. Now, God's going to tell you to do something. And listen, we have a goat pen, okay? Uh, uh, we, boy, I'm talking about my kids a lot today. Anyway, we got a goat pen, and it's a long ways away, and, and, and we don't have a water hose that goes all the way to it. So we carry the water. You know, it's 2015. I guess a lot of people do that. But we carry the water to the goat pen. So you got to do it in a five-gallon bucket. And can I just say, carrying one five-gallon bucket, 10 feet, filled to the brim of water is not fun. 
The minimum it would have taken is 24 five-gallon, 24 Home Depot orange buckets filled with water that somebody hauled just because Jesus said, fill it up. The scripture continues to say, and he said, Jesus said, and then fill the water pots with water. And the scripture says, they filled them up to the brim. You have an opportunity. Everybody that can hear me right now, you have an opportunity. You can believe God this much or you can believe God up to the brim. And if I really wanted to preach, you can obey God this much. Hear me now. Or you can obey God this much to the brim. Because God's calling for obedience in your life. Listen, His grace never fails. We are in an unbelievable uh, season. of it's, it's overwhelming the grace of God. But His call to obedience is not just so that you can say, I did what God said. It's because there's something that happens when you say, I'm going to believe you this much, God. Some people are Christian, uh, but, but they, 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 they obey God this much. And nobody's mad at them. But give your life for this thing. Get off the wishy-washy fence of it. What if Jesus would have become half dead on the cross and say, Okay, I'm only going to give half my life to you. Blink, blink, blink. I'm out of here. No, give your life to this thing. You obey God to the brim running over and see what God does in your life. Whatever he says, do it. And he says unto them, draw out now and bear unto the governor of the feast. Almost done. Stick with me. Draw out now. You'll find that if you will obey God to the brim, to the best of your natural and supernatural ability, relying on his relentless grace to fill in the gaps, If you'll do it to the max, listen to me, you'll find a resource that you can draw from that will never run dry. He goes on. He says, now take it and bear to the governor, to the person who's over the marriage. When the ruler of the feast had tasted the water that was made wine and knew not where it was, from whence it came, basically. The servants which drew the water knew. The governor of the feast called the bridegroom and said, Every man at the beginning sets out the good wine. And when men have well drunk, then that which is worse, when their taste buds are tainted. But you have kept the good wine until now he didn't say until last because when is last if it said last when we read it we'd have to figure out is today last or is today not last he said three letters one word now God has saved the best for your life for right The governor drinks the wine, didn't see it. Said, didn't even know where it came from, he said. But the Bible says the servants knew. 
our first touch ministry. If, you, if this is your first time in this building, it's your first time here, we're so glad you're here. But I could count hundreds of miracles that have happened in the last six months to get to this moment right here. And we, the servants of the house, we know where it came from. We saw the water turn to wine because we took our buckets when God said do it. We said, okay, God, we're going to fill it up to the brim then. That's fine with me. How many more we need? Not sure yet. We'll stop when it's full because the servants not only get to experience it, they get to see the miracle manifested. We're about two things here. The unsaved and the unchurched. And if you have anybody in your life, if you have anybody in your life that fits into one of those two categories or maybe both, bring them to the house of God and let God do what only God can do.